Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We're really glad that you joined us uh, today. Whether you're joining us online or in person, we're really glad that you're here today. And um, like I said, I know that it's different and uh, it, just, it feels weird, doesn't it? Does it feel weird to you? It feels weird to me. feels fun. feels fun? I, I like it. it's fun. I like to change things up a little bit. Yeah, it's all good in the gospel hood. Yeah. Right? Am I supposed to? I was going to walk with everybody to But they didn't know the difference anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's up with that microphone? I don't know. That's not cool. We might have to grab you another one. All right. Um, so we're doing things a little bit different today because we have a, a series. Can we, can we grab this? Can somebody grab this for me? Um, I don't, I don't know who's in here. Thank you, Isaiah. Um, so we're doing a, a, a series. Um, this whole year, we're talking about familia, the family of God, and, um, and what it means to be the family of God. And so one of the things that we, uh, we talked about as we're preparing for this year is there's certain things that have to happen as a family um, where you just have conversations. And we call them, in our house, we call them family meetings, and sometimes the family meetings are about something serious, and sometimes it's about something that's very not serious, um, but stupid. we have these family meet. what? Sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes it's... Some, but you know what? We can be stupid together, because we're family. It's never stupid, <laughs> especially not if it was my idea. It's not yeah. stupid at that's all. Um, we might need more out of her mic or something. I don't know. We'll figure this out. Um, but all that being said, we wanted to make it a little more intimate today, and, and um, it's kind of hard to do that in, in such a group setting, um, but we wanted more of a, of a feel of a family, and I think that important conversations happen around a table in a family. You guys agree with that? We're just missing lunch. We, we are. We well, have that in a little bit, though. But we have lunch in a little bit yes. as we church family, too. right? We have everything covered. Um, and so we are um, excited. So we have uh, a couple of announcements that we're going to make real quick, and, and we're going to receive our giving today as well and do all of those things in this setting, in this format. Um, so you want to talk about giving for a second, and then we'll do our couple of announcements. I do. It's a, giving's a great thing to talk about. And, you know, I know that, this, that sometimes... Uh, some pastors are reluctant to talk about giving. Some talk about giving too much. Uh, but some are reluctant because they're, they're worried that their people are going to get up to, oh, all they ever talk about is money. But uh, first of all, 
you all know better than that. Secondly, I, I don't believe you think that way. And uh, so we can talk about giving because we love to give. Because when we begin to develop the, the character and nature of God, he's a giver. And um, as a giver, you know, he, the, the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. Um, and so uh, a cheerful giver is, is, you know, you're just not a person, you're just not just a cheerful person, but you get cheerful about the whole idea of giving. Because, you know, I, one of the things that we've learned around Christmas time as a, as a family that, uh, uh, you know, we, we got involved with uh, uh, things over the years of being able to, to give into um, those that, that were needy at that time. And, um, you know, as our kids were little, uh, uh, they loved to do that. And, uh, you, you know, I, I encourage you, teach your kids to be givers. And, uh, you know, it's one thing for, for the parents to, to give, but you need to teach your kids to give. That's right. And, uh, uh, you know, how are they going to learn to give? see you do than what you tell them to do. And uh, so, you know, be a giver, but let, let your children see you give. Praise God. And, uh, you know, of course, giving is, is the way that, uh, that God has chosen to support his work, his, his, his church. And so we give um, not grudgingly, out of necessity, um, but we give because we're cheerful about it, because we love to give. That's right. And uh, uh, that is just the, the character of the thought of God showing through you. Praise God. And so as we give today, uh, we have several ways that you can give around here. One of them is by texting. And the number we'll put it up on the screen there. I believe we won't put it up on the screen. All right. So you're just going to have to listen. Uh, <laughs> Eight four three two one is the uh, okay. You just had that look on your face like that's not right. That's correct. Yeah, okay, I thought it was right. Eight four three two one is correct. I was just born this way. That's kind of rude. <laughs> uh, you can text or you can go to our website wolcarlsdad.com and you can click the donate tab there and you can give in that way or you can give the old fashioned way by putting your name. Change today, but the bucket's still there. So, and so you can you can give that way. Praise God. But let's let's just say this together. Say, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank, Father, I thank you for the privilege of giving to you. For the privilege of giving to you. I have to give. I have to give because you gave to me first. Because you gave to me first. Father, as I give. Father, as I give. I'm cheerful about it. I'm cheerful about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm cheerful about it. I'm cheerful about it. Thank you. Thank you. That you cause all grace that you cause to abound towards me. To abound towards me. I have all sufficiency in all things and an abundance for every good work. And I thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, um, right after church, we have a uh, Frito Pie fundraiser for Deborah and Lupe Vasquez um, to help with medical expenses. And so make sure that you stay 
after church. And I want to give a huge shout out to the Ornelas family. Yes. Um, they have worked really hard on this fundraiser. This is something that was a vision of theirs um, and, and really just putting hands in action. And so um, thank you guys so much for being the hands and feet of Jesus and, um, and, and spearheading this thing. And I know that so many people donated different things to it and, and stuff like that. This is a family thing, and we take care of our family. Amen? That's right. Amen? Amen. You guys got to get more excited. Just because I'm sitting down, I'm going to have to get up if y'all don't get more excited than this, okay? <laughs> it's just really hard for me to sit down. And if you don't give me something, then we're going to end up on top of this table. Things are going to be weird. <clears throat> All right. Awkward. Second thing uh, that... That I have. This is an exciting one too. So tomorrow is our second. <laughs> that sounds weird already. Tomorrow is our third Monday fast. All right, as a church, it's the second one because it's February. All right. So <laughs> tomorrow is our third Monday fast. So we're fasting as a church tomorrow, and um, we're fasting for three things. There's three reasons why we fast. Right. You guys remember what they are? Neither do I. Um, <laughs> I was going to pull them up, and then this shows how prepared I am. I am not prepared in my life, okay? Um, so we fast to, I have the other one. We're going to fast, and we're going to ask three things. God, teach us, right? God, teach us. Say that after me um, to buy me some time. Say, God, teach us. God, God teach us. The second thing we're going to ask is, God, guide us. God, guide us. And the third thing is, God, consume us. God, consume us. Those are the things we're asking during our fast. We don't fast so that we can get something from God. We fast to get to know God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And there's another little list that I'm not going to be able to find. Um, but Jesus knows our hearts. Right? Yes. Amen. You guys are like, whatever, dude. <laughs> Jesus knows us, right? He knows our hearts. Amen. Does he know our heart? Okay. Cool. Can we move on to something else? Sounds good. Let's do it. I love it. So um, we're going to jump into this, and we're going to uh, do family talk. So this family talk is, is real conversations for healthy families. I believe that healthy families have to have some real conversations sometimes. Amen? Amen. We get together, and we just got to talk about some stuff. And so today what we're going to talk about is carrying the family name outside of the family. Um, I believe that when we go outside the walls of the church, we're representing the family. Amen? That's right. You believe that? We're representing the family of God. We're representing the kingdom of God. So what do we do? How do we conduct ourselves? What are the things that are important as we go outside of the family to represent the family? Because I don't think that Christians always represent our father very well. I think that we get hung up on a lot of things that really have, have little to do with anything, and they become the driving force, and it pushes people away. And so how do we conduct ourselves outside of the family? That's what we're going to talk about today. And so let's open with prayer, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Daniel. Father God, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you today that it's spirit and life to us. God, we thank you today that you've chosen us for something bigger than us. And so God, speak to our heart through your Holy Spirit. Teach us and guide us today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Well, you know, as we begin to talk about uh, uh, about being a family and about uh, carrying the family name, there there are some things that uh, that come to my mind. First of all, years ago, I had someone tell me that they said God has called me to to show ever show the world that Christians are just like everybody else. 
And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, that just kind of had a check in my spirit, you know. Uh, if Christians are just like everybody else, what's the point in being a Christian? And, uh, you know, so why do you want to be a Christian if, if Christians are no different? And uh, Christians are different. That doesn't mean that, that you're better than everybody else. But let me just tell, say this. Are you better than you used to be? That's the, that's the real question. Are you better than you used to be? You, you see, when we start comparing ourselves to other people, um, you know, I will say this, that the very fact that, uh, uh, that I have been joined to the Lord it's not about me being better, but he's better. He's better than me, okay? And because I'm joined to the Lord, I'm joined to the greater one. And so the greater one in me makes me greater. And uh, uh, so it's, it's not about in and of myself, uh, of myself. No, I'm not better than anybody. But the Christ in me is greater than he that is in the world. That's what the Scripture says. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, I want to talk for a little bit about walking with wisdom toward those who are without. Walking with wisdom toward those who are without. And what it means is out without as being outside of the body of Christ, outside of the church. Um, in Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5, it says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to, you ought to answer each one. Uh, so let, let's break that down just a little bit. He says, walk with wisdom toward those who are outside. And, uh, you know, it's important that uh, if we want the body to grow, if we want our family to grow, then it's critical that we conduct our lives in a way that, that helps people to see. Jesus said this. He said, let your light. Tiffany's going to talk about this, so I'm not going to get on it much, but just a little bit. Uh, but um, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify. So it's not that we're trying to show off. But we're just living our life in such a way that they can see that how we live is different. And the reason that we live different is because Christ has changed us. We believe in a gospel that is designed by God to change us. And if the change is, is not evident, uh, you know, then there again, what's, what's the point? If the change is not evident in our lives, uh, you know, it, this this Christian life is about more than just going to heaven. And uh, many Christians, that's that's all they they that that's all it is to them. Is that this is uh, as they used to say, it's fire insurance, and uh, you know, it it keeps you from out of hell and and gets you to heaven. And but you know, God. Went to an awful lot of trouble just to get us out of hell and keep us to heaven, or get us to heaven. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, he's, everything is different. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So we, you know, we, we begin to, our, our lives begin to be changed and be transformed as we have our relationship and build our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, for all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Then in the 10th chapter, in verse number 23, he, he repeats this again. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And when he says edify, that word means build up. Not everything builds up. And, you know, I have uh, I considered this that, and, and I don't always measure up to this. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not claiming that I always measure up to this. But I'm saying that I have to be continually mindful of the fact that my life, it, the, the, there's the old saying that no man is an island. My life affects other people. And it can affect them toward Christ or it can affect them away from Christ. Uh, it, can, it can impact whether they want to be a Christian or whether they don't. And so we're talking about living with wisdom or walking with wisdom. So, you know, live in such a way that it causes other people to want the Christ that you have. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you live in a different place than I do. You contact different people than I do. But wherever you go, live your life in such a way that it makes others hungry. Now, we're talking about, you know, uh, let me go to this second passage that, uh, that I wanted to talk about in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Notice what he said. You are the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth, and as the salt of the earth, now that refers, we could refer back to the first passage that I read in Colossians chapter 4, it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, salt makes you thirsty, salt makes you want to, want to come to the water as as uh, we've talked about that, you know, to come and drink from the water. Jesus said, if anyone drinks from this water that I shall give, he will never thirst again. And so uh, to, to be salty means that you speak in such a way, you conduct yourself in such a way, you live your life in such a way that it makes others thirsty. And Jesus said, if anyone hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they will be filled. Praise God. And I could keep going, but I do have to yield. I didn't expect him just to stop. <laughs> 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 
That's a lot of years for him not to have done that. Wow. <laughs> but that's okay. Let me get my notes opened here. But I thought of this all week, and I want to read you a scripture, and then I'm going to go into some other things. But in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. This is where we're, I'm focusing. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in, the, in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And since January, we've been talking about familia, our family, and how to, how to be a family, what happens in a family, how we treat family, how we act. And uh, in that, as especially just this morning, the Lord was showing me, that's what's been happening from here. It's been our, it's our house. And we're sitting around the table. I mean, it was like this picture that in the last seven weeks, is that from January to now, roughly, um, you've been sitting there and it's been shared with you the word of how to treat your family, how to act as a family, how to live as a family. And... You know, as you go forth and take that to your table, because we always hope that and pray that that's what's happening, is that your, our family is growing because it's strengthening because the knowledge, because we have pastors that teach us, that love us, that want us to grow and to we have the vision is bigger than this room. But if we're not walking it, if we're not teaching it, if we're not living what we're doing, because there's teachable moments every day in your house. Every day in your house, from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed, whether there's two of you in your house or there's 14 in your house. It just doesn't matter. There's teachable moments. There's teachable moments when you're with someone. And, you know, we have, um, as a family, we don't always get to pick who's in our family. Has, have you ever had people in your family and you go, do not leave me in the room with that person? <laughs> have you? We all have them. We all have them. So how, how should we react when that happens? <laughs> you know? And you're teaching everybody else because not everybody's perfect in your family. You're not perfect in your family. And, you know, um, I am so not even on my notes. I'm sorry. Hang on. You were really struggling getting that open, too. I was really struggling getting that open. I'm and we, sorry. So you guys couldn't see it, but we were all just watching with sympathy. I know, because it like, wouldn't, like, it kept doing stuff. Okay. I'm glad that's not happening So really to me. what I'm talking about is 
my topic, I'm just ignoring him, um, <laughs> be a lots Most of practice. Most of my life. If, all, if only. Um, my topic actually was behavior and reaction. Wasn't that perfect? So daily, a behavior is something, it's a way in which one acts or conducts oneself, especially toward others. So it all starts at your table, in your house, how you treat each other. My kids hated it because I would say, kind words, say kind words. And it was, yes, they would make fun. But, you know, sometimes... Have you guys met my sister? <laughs> sometimes there's not opportunity for kind words. I was going to say That's that not fair. If, She's not here to defend herself. I know. I would be terrified <laughs> if she were. I'm not a FaceTimer. <laughs> there were times. <laughs> she will retaliate. Um, vengeful. <laughs> the sibling wars. But... Um, so conduct yourselves the way a behavior is conducting yourselves a way, especially toward others. But a reaction is an action performed or, exp or a feeling experienced in response to a situation or an event. So how do you react when something happens? You know, I had this conversation yesterday with someone, you know. Does God love it when we act crazy? No. But does he love me when I act crazy? Yes. He still loves me. It doesn't matter what stupid thing I say or do. Now, what are you, how are you going to react to the stupid thing I just said? That's your responsibility. Um, you know, there's just different stimulus out in the world that we have opportunity to teach others how to act and react when you're in line at the grocery store and it's taking forever. You know, it doesn't cost anything to be kind. You know, maybe that person is having their first job. That's their first day on the job. Or maybe it's their, they're just having a rough day. You know, it's not their fault that you're running behind. And, you know, I have to consciously remind myself because I am impatient. And I'm like, come on. What's going on? Why aren't you doing this? You know? But don't. Because you're part of the family. You're showing Jesus in how you reacted to whatever that happened. You know, a car turned, made a left turn in front of me yesterday and I said, we didn't die. <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of because I stopped him plenty of time and he was fine and he probably has no idea. It, that's the first thing that came out of my mouth was we didn't die and Brooklyn left. But we didn't. We were fine. You know, how, how do you react you know, that may have not been the best thing to say, but I was thankful we didn't die. <laughs> so, um, a relationship 
and our influence in our family comes with, from our relationship with God. It comes with spending time with him. It's uh, our response with or without love is direct correlation with our relationship with the Father. So if we're spending time with him, our relationship with him is stronger, and it's going to come out in love to those who do something stupid or frustrate us or whatever because he is love. Love with your words, your patience, encouragement, and actions. So God loves with his word because he has a whole book here telling us how much he loves us, what he's done for us, how to treat others, how to love. His patience. Slow down and give people time. Don't be impatient with them. Love them through whatever. It doesn't matter what they did. His encouragement. Build one another up. Because we, sh we sharpen each other. In his actions. What did he do? He gave. He always gives. What does the world do? They take it all. Our peace, our love, our everything. And so... I want you to remember that as you are sitting in this house or sitting in your house to open up, talk about the love of God, talk about how to treat others, show your family, even if it's on Sunday lunch or it's an occasional lunch or whatever that you're getting with people because we are all family. And no, we didn't always, we didn't get to pick who's in our family, but we're a family unit. And so it's, it's a good time. Do you want me to read those? Amen. Read what? You want me to go over the core values or no? You want uh, me to sure. stop talking? Uh, no, go, you talk <laughs> as long as you want to talk. Thanks. Because <laughs> I'm going to talk as long as I want to talk. So. <laughs> I saw this. Am I the only person showing restraint here? Yep. <laughs> um, hey, you were first. I, I, re I saw a reel come through on my Facebook this last week, and it just, like, was so cool. And so I'm going to read these, and then I'm going to share that with you. Um, our core values, which we want you to use. We want you to take these and apply them, and it makes us a stronger family. We will do whatever it takes to show you Jesus. The cross behind us, the world before us. The beginning, being a Christian, I can, I can read Sundays, being a Christian is not a duty to be performed, but a relationship to have, and the Bible's not a rule book, but a revelation. And um, on this little video that I saw this pastor in on the East Coast somewhere, I didn't know him. It's the very first video I've ever watched of his, and it just kind of came up and started playing before... I even realized it, and so I listened. And he was talking about, even before he was a pastor, he was um, he met this man, an older gentleman, and was getting to know him, building a relationship with him so that he could have influence. He got to know this gentleman, and he said, I really want to start going to church. And he said, well, you live in a small town. There's two churches right here. And he said, well... They told me, one of them told me I couldn't come till I stopped drinking. 
and I'm an alcoholic. And he said, okay, let me tell you. I'll come over to your house, and we'll just do a Bible study, just you and me. He said, okay. So he went the first time. He sat down in this man's trailer, and he said they started, and he said, can I go get a beer? And he said, sure. He went and got a beer, sat down. They had Bible study. Next week, he went to Bible study. There were two guys there with their beers. In the next few weeks, there were, I think he said six guys with their beers. And he's doing the Bible study. He said, I didn't say anything. He said, as they grew, they changed their lives. Now, because of their years of drinking, they all did die of cirrhosis. And he said, but I know they all died knowing Jesus, you know. And, but would, that, would, he have, he, would he have been able to share Jesus with those men had he not been accepting and just not judge them? It's how we handle things. All in how we handle things. Take time, process it, don't get in a hurry, slow down, think about how you're treating people, and then your influence grows. Amen. Amen. You know, you were talking about, yeah, give it up. You guys don't hear her talk very much. And you're like, I wish these guys would shut up and let you guys speak. Um, you know, you were talking about teachable moments in the house. I believe that as we do life together, there's teachable moments in this house as well. I mean, there's teachable moments in your house, but the only way that there's teachable moments in this house is if we're doing life together, if we have relationship with one another. Um, as we build relationship, we build trust. Um, we also have the right to speak into each other's life when we do that. Amen? Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25, it says... Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Say that one. Say, he who promised, he who promised is, faithful. is faithful. I just got to make sure that you guys are awake, and that's a good one. So, he who promised is faithful. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, sometimes people talk about the fact that, well, I, and Pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago, that I, I am the church. I don't need the institution of the church because I am the church. And it's true that you are the church, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he lives in you, that you have the Bible, you have the Holy Spirit, that you can learn from God every single day. You can hear his voice. You don't have to come inside a church to do that. All those things are, are absolutely true. But the idea that you don't need the institution of a church is a selfish behavior. It's a selfish thought. 
because the church has often operated like we don't need the world. Like in, in, inside the church, we've operated like we don't need the world, and the world has operated like they don't need the church. It's selfish because as we get together, we build one another up. We encourage one another. It's meant to be a community of God. It's meant to be a um, relationship or to be a family. When we're considering one another, we're considering each other in the community to stir up love and good works. It's not just about coming, and I would argue this, that if your whole idea of church is to come and occupy space in a chair, then maybe you don't need the church. But that's not what God ordained the church to be. God ordained the church to be community. God ordained the, the institution of the church to be a family that we can draw from one another, that we can have relationship with, that we can have trust with, that we can have teachable moments with. To be plugged in to a community is vital, and we need to be showing the world how it's done. We need to be that light to the world. We can't operate in here like we don't need the world. And so many times, and I think that, that as we're talking about this um, this idea of family this year, um, I don't want you to get the idea that we're trying to say at all, like this inside these four walls, we're a family and, and, um, and, and we don't reach out beyond and we don't take in new people and we, because we're a family unit and we're gonna, that's not what it is at all. It's that God has designed the, the family to operate not only in your home, but to operate in community as the body of Christ. And so that's why we say as new people come in the door, and I know that we have some new faces today. Thank you guys so much for coming in and checking out this family. We're kind of weird. We're a little bit different. We don't do things conventional. So if you're up for all that, then come on. If you're kind of weird, come on. Then you have a place right here. Um, if you're not weird, that's fine. Come and you'll have a place right here. You can check out all us weird people. That in itself uh, is weird. Huh? That in itself, that in is, itself weird. is weird. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, the, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We we had a great dinner last night with the Sorensons. Thank you guys for inviting us over again. Um, we had a great dinner last night, and we were talking about um, the, the fact that we don't take ourselves too seriously, as you can tell. I mean... Um, I, I just, I, I think that we've gotten it wrong in so many aspects um, because we've tried to make it rigid and we've tried, I, I can give everything and worship a holy God and laugh at myself, right? Because I don't have to take myself too seriously. I, I think that's, that one of the reasons why it's important for the family to get together is to keep ourselves in position to impact the world. It's important to get together so that we keep ourselves in that position. Because I don't know about you, but, but, but sometimes I have bad days. In fact, why don't we do this? Everybody um, who has bad days sometimes raise their hand. All right. Should have been everyone. And if it wasn't everyone, then you're lying. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, I think it's important that we get together because we keep ourselves in a position. How easy is it for a bad day to turn into a bad week, to turn into a bad month, right? 
it's really easy to get into a cycle. But you know what? When we come together, we're exhorting one another. We're building one another up. We're strengthening one another. We can look at one another and we can say, hey, I, because we have relationship, what's going on? I, you, just, you haven't been right in a while. And sometimes when I ask that question, it's, you know, I'm, I don't really want to talk about it. Maybe pray for me. That's good. That's fine. I don't have to pry into your life. Sometimes they just need somebody to talk to, and they didn't know how to say it. I know I've been in that situation, too, that sometimes I just need somebody to talk to, and I, I don't even know how to say it. I don't even know how to bring it up, but somebody just notices. Maybe it's just that little thing that they say that they don't even ask a question, but it's just that little thing that they say. Sometimes it's the text message that I'm praying for you today. How valuable is that? And they didn't ask any questions. They didn't pry into my life. But it was, hey, you, you were on my heart today. I'm praying for you today. That's what family does for each other. We do those things because we have to keep ourselves in a position to impact the world. See, I, I believe that everything that God does is in layers. I believe that God wants you healed in your mind. He wants you healed from anxiety because you're his child and he wants you well. Amen? But not only that, but I believe he wants you healed and clear in your mind so that you can impact the world around you. Because if you're battling inside of yourself, then you're not reaching out beyond yourself. Amen? I believe that healing is the nature of God, and he heals the individuals, and as he heals individuals, he heals the family. As he heals the family, he heals the world. Amen? Praise God. So I want to ask this question, what impact, and I... Just think about it. It's a, it's a question to, to, to consider. And it's something that we ask ourselves all the time. What impact is it that this church is making in the community? And one thing that was said many years ago um, th that I heard was, if your church closed its doors, would your community notice? And would they care? Would it leave a void in the community? If what we're doing inside these walls is not spilling out into the streets, it's not flooding into the streets, then what we're doing is too small. We've got a family in here that God is building, and he's building it strong, but he's not building it just so we can have a strong four walls of the church. He's building it so that we can impact the world around us. How do we do that? How do we reach out beyond these doors? The idea, I'm sorry, um, more than 20 years ago, um, I, I read this just this week, more than 20 years ago, a University of Pennsylvania study um, of Philadelphia congregations. So University of Pennsylvania studied Philadelphia church congregations. This is 20 years ago. Um, and, and they said this, this was the conclusion, that congregations are vital to the social fabric of Philadelphia and they take a major role in caring for the needs of people in neighborhoods. Secular university, just studying churches. Do churches matter? And then they said, the study authors, they estimated the replacement cost. So if we're going to put a dollar amount, people say all the time, and I saw this over and over again, the, the commercials on the Super Bowl, he gets us. Those, I don't know if you watched those commercials or not or what you thought of them. Um, but... 
I, I saw some people say, well, they spent $20 million on that commercial. What if they spent $20 million feeding the poor? Um, I have opinions on that that we're not going to talk about today. But um, the, this study said this, that the cost of churches to communities and government would be about $250 million annually in, this is in 2001 dollars. This is 20 years, over 20 years ago. $250 million in the Philadelphia metro area alone if you took churches out of their community. That was the cost. Churches are vital to the fabric of our community. But think about how much time, I'm not even talking about spending money, you know, maybe where some people think we shouldn't or whatever. But think about how much time we spend on our social media complaining about the government instead of exalting Jesus. What if we were focused? What could we do? Right? How much time do we spend focused on other things rather than... How much time are we not allowing the healer to heal because we're too prideful to, to reach out for help or to break down a wall? Or, and, and we're still making a huge impact on our communities. What is this family for? It's to go out and to make an impact outside of these walls. I believe this, that, and, I, and this is a bold statement. Some of you may have heard me say it before, but I believe that if, if the church operated as the church, then we wouldn't need government programs. It was never the, the job of the government to support people. It was the job of the church to do it. And I don't think that the church does what the church is supposed to do oftentimes, yet we're still making a huge impact, but what could we do? I don't want this church to be a church that says we're good enough or, or we're, we're um, satisfied with this number right here of $250 million. I know that was in another city, but I'm not satisfied with that. What could we do? What could we reach? Who could we reach? Who could we make an impact in their life? The Bible says this. Um, in John eight thirty two, that we wrestle not, I'm sorry, this is not it. It says in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. It says spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we wrestle against. And so I believe that the enemy, in order to, to, water down the mission of the church has gotten our eyes focused on all kinds of different things that we pursue as our mission. We've looked around at like moral decay in our society and political climates and all kinds of things and we've made that our voice and our mission and I think that that waters down what God's called us to do. That's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be love. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but what we've done is we've built a wall of division between us and other people because they have a different letter beside of their, their political affiliation or they, they listen to different music or even, uh, I, I talked about it last week, even in the, the Christian music world, 
there are divisions being built because some people didn't speak out against something that happened at a Grammy Awards show that they went to. And I don't know what they were supposed to do, stand up in the middle of the Grammys and then get escorted out. I don't know what they were supposed to do in that moment, but we've got to operate with wisdom, and God has put us in different positions in different places so that we can make an impact. I'm not in that place, and so I can't say what that impact should be or what your action should be, but I can tell you, follow the Holy Spirit because he's placed you in a dark place, and we're wrestling against principalities and powers, not against people. Amen? Amen. Praise God. People are, are God's creation, and many people are hurting, but instead of offering healing, we're, we're spending time condemning. We've got to stop that. As a church, we have got to stop that. The only way to bring real freedom is truth, and that's what John 8.32 says that I jumped the gun on earlier, that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It's a working knowledge of the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm almost done, I promise. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad. I mean, it just comes straight for you, right? You think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and they should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice, I love this that it says, and we know, because sometimes we don't act like we know. It says, we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. But look, it's God in his justice. You've got to remember that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is merciful. It says he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And so we have to understand that even though if I were the judge, I would be slapping down some judgment, God is long-suffering. And if I'm thankful that he's been long-suffering towards me, I should be thankful that he's long-suffering towards you. Even though I look at you and I think, man, you're beyond, and so God needs to slap down some judgment right now. Hellfire and brimstone rain from the sky, right? Sometimes we look at that, and I think that's what we preach sometimes, or at least through our actions. Rest assured, we know, Paul said, we know that God in his justice will punish everyone who does such things, but in his justice he'll do that. God is a just God. So I've just got to trust him that he's working things out. He's going to take care of that. I don't need to. He's going to do it. And he's going to do it the right way. And he's going to do it the just way. He's going to do it the fair way. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think that you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His kindness. Church, we have got to be the kindness of God. Because his kindness is what's turning the world from their sin. Amen? I believe that the reason that we become so militant in our message sometimes is our passion. 
but it's passion without trust. We're passionate. We want to see people come to God, but it's passion without trust. I've got to trust that God is doing the work. I've got to trust that God is working it out. We are truly passionate about sharing the message, but we have trouble trusting God and his message. We feel like we have to force it. We feel like we have to be vocal against sin, and that's taking a stand. But what is, what's, but what is, uh, I don't even know what I wrote here. Um, what if is what it's supposed to say. But what if we took a stand? I'm sorry, I just, I had a thought and I wanted to read it verbatim and then I had typos. I should have had Stacy proofread it for me. <laughs> but what if we took a stand against lies being thrown around about God instead of shouting his disgust, his hate, his disappointment? What if we shouted his love, his goodness, and his acceptance? Amen? We talk a lot about hell, and we don't want people to go there, but what if instead of trying to condemn the hell out of people, what if we just love the hell out of people? Amen? If Jesus would have shown up at the well in Samaria with a sign that said fornicators and adulterers will burn in hell, that woman would have never talked to him. Right? What if Jesus wore a shirt that said, not my emperor with a Caesar logo on it? <laughs> what if Jesus spent his time with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee? What if he spent his time criticizing the religious system and talking about how there's, their revivals weren't real? What if Jesus complained about taxes when he talked with Zacchaeus rather than dining at his house. Jesus didn't do any of those things, right? He just loved. Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. We've been using this passage a lot, but I want you to get it. Until we come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. How do we do all those things? How do we not toss to and fro? The, 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 the scripture above says that God's given us gifts in the church, ministry gifts to lead us and guide us. But then it says but speaking the truth in love. We have a very wrong definition of what the truth in love is. We think sometimes that speaking the truth in love is I'm speaking the truth bluntly because I love you. But instead, we need to be speaking the truth of the gospel that Jesus came to help you and to save you and to change you. We speak that through love because we so love the world. I haven't given up on the world because I love the world that we may grow up into all things who is the head, Christ. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to turn it over to Tiffany. Good stuff. Man, why do I have to follow him? That's not fair. <laughs> no, um, I love it, and that just ties directly into what I'm talking about because a lot of times Christians have thought that's the role, right? The role is going out and telling everybody how wrong they are and how evil they are and when that's not our role at all. Um, and so what we're going to look at is Matthew 
chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when our light goes out and it shines, it's not about people seeing our good works, right? We know that we're not saved by works. Works are not required for salvation. They're a result of your salvation. And our works are how we draw other people to Jesus. And so when we go out and our light shines, we're affected by that light, right? If we turn on a light, then that's going to reflect on us too. And it's not because we are being exalted or we're saying, hey, look at me. It's saying, look what God has done through me, right? And so it's drawing people in. And so I have a little demonstration here. I have this really cool photography light that my family got me for my birthday. And it's powerful. It's probably, I mean, it's definitely the most powerful light I've ever owned. But go ahead and hit the lights for me. So we're not going to turn off all the lights because in this place, if you turn off all the lights, you can't see your hand up in your face and I don't want anybody crying. <laughs> so, but when we go out into a dark place as Christians, our light then when this light comes on, then the reaction of people, if I can find the, oh, that's what I need. The reaction of people when that light comes on, there it goes. If this place was completely dark and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face and that light came on, probably your first thought would be, oh, thank God, <laughs> right? You may not know where the light came from, or why it came on, you're just thankful that it's there, right? And that should be what it is for us. When we go out and we shine our light, it's not because, hey, look at me. It's, hey, I have an answer, right? And I'm shining it towards the top because I'm shining it to God. I'm doing these things to show you Jesus, right? But too often, we end up... Tighten that really tight. Too often we take our light and we turn it into something offensive. Because this light, when it's in your face, that's not something you want to run towards. That's something you want to hide from. And that's not our job. When you try to be somebody's Holy Spirit, that's what happens. But if we'll live the light of Jesus inside of us and live it with love, then it becomes something that draws people to you. And because they're drawn to you to say, what is that? Where did that come from? How did you do that? I can say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Right? You can turn the lights back on. So, thanks. Sorry, I probably should have turned that off. <laughs> thanks, boo. I appreciate you. So it turns people away. This is the line that Pastor had when we were talking about this, and I just loved it. So what turns people away is when you shine your light at someone instead of letting your light shine. If you'll let your light shine, it'll do its job. If you'll just love, love will do its work. I found this quote by Dwight L. Moody that said, We are told to let our light shine. And if it does, we won't need to tell anybody that it's shining. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to the shining. They just shine. We don't need to weaponize our light. It's a tool that God's given us to use. It's not a weapon of fighting against people. It's, it's a tool to bring people in. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I love how the Amplified Version says this, but it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I do not have love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. The Amplified, Amplified Version then says, after clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And so if you're weaponizing your light, you're being an annoying distraction from what God's trying to do in that person's life. And if you would just love, then maybe that love that you shine in their light in their life is exactly what they need to be able to hear the direction of the Holy Spirit. But if you try to do the Holy Spirit's job, it's not going to work because you're not their Holy Spirit. That job's taken. And so if we'll just focus on loving, which you are called to do, then maybe it'll open that door to where somebody will come in and say, tell me more about that love. Sometimes in our core value, doing we will do whatever it takes to show you Jesus. Sometimes what it takes is for you to shut your mouth and just love on somebody. And then God will open the door and let you know when it's time to open your mouth. When they come to you looking and seeking, then you'll have those opportunities. You don't have to force your way in. And then uh, that's it. I think I'm going back to you now. <laughs> back to me. See, I could show a little restraint early because I get two times. <laughs> You're special. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that we need to um, that we need to consider is that. God has called us to be, to, to influence the world around us. And, uh, uh, you know, when you begin to have an influence, an impact, when you begin to, um, to bring something to the table that, uh, that was missing, something that was, that was not there, something that somebody's looking for, you know, um, I, I jotted down a couple of notes here, and I said a, a good salesman never offers you what you already have. A good salesman is not trying to sell you something you already have. Oh, I see you have one of these. You want another one, right? Yeah. Um, but he, he's offering you something that is missing, something that will enhance, something that will improve your life. Um, you know, uh, you would really look good in this car. This this car would really in, enhance your image, uh, you know. And so, a good salesman is not offering you what you've already got. He's offering, you, and the world is void of hope. The world is is void of peace. The world is void of joy. the The world is is. Uh, uh, the world is overworked, but we have rest. Uh, the you know the the world is is angry, but we love. You know what? Why was, would the world want to become a part of a church where everybody at that church is mad all the time? You know what, why would they want that? Why would they want to go to a church that the people who go there don't like? Uh, you know, um, and, and so uh, then another note that along that line is, um, don't try to sell me a Ford if you drive a Chevy. Uh, you know, if if it's not good for you, then why do you think it would be good for me? 
and so, uh, you know, if you go to buy a car, ask your car salesman, what kind of car do you drive? You know, and, uh, if, if Jesus is, hasn't changed your life, why would I be telling you that he will change your life? And, uh, you know, this is, this is related to our, our image toward those who are without. You know, the, the most attractive thing, and, and uh, um, you know, tomorrow I'll probably say something else is the most attractive thing, but, but, but for right now, I understand my point that it is very attractive when you found something that you love, that you can't live without, that, you know, if, if you have a take it or leave it attitude towards the things of God, um, and, and you're trying to sell it to someone else, and, uh, you know, and, and I'm not talking about, you know what I mean by sell it. Uh, I'm talking about the fact that you're presenting something to the world that, that they need in their life. That's, that's what I'm talking about, sell it. Uh, you know, you are presenting something to them that they need in their life. But if what you're offering is no different than what they already have, why do they want what you are offering? And so, um, you know, we... talked about, you know, Tiffany talked about being uh, the, the light shining in people's face, being obnoxious with it. Uh, you know, uh, let, let's be cautious about that. Let's, let's uh, let our light so shine before men. You know, uh, Jesus mentioned a couple of things when he, in, in that passage of scripture that she used there. Jesus mentioned, city set on a hill can't be hidden. He said, you light your, your, your lamp and you set it on a lampstand that it gives light to all that are in the house. Two different things there. The light on the lampstand is for the people in the house. The light on the hill, the city on a hill, is to draw those that are outside the house, to, to draw them in. And there's two aspects of that light that, uh, you know, there, there is two aspects. Yes, we let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But we, we light the light in the house. But, uh, you know, the house, if, if, we, if we just keep it in the house, then, uh, you know, the, it, it's not giving light to, to the world. It's not giving light. To, and, and that's where it's, it's dark. And too many times the church has just kept the light in the house. And, uh, uh, you know, yes, we want to have light in the house. But we want to give, we want to be the city set on a hill. Praise God. So that we may draw others to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. And I found this. If we just show Jesus to people, he's plenty attractive. 
he's plenty attractive. You don't you don't need to uh, embellish. You don't need to make stuff up. You don't need to pretend. Just just show Jesus. You know, I like one thing that, uh, and, and and I'm going to wrap up with this and give an invitation. But uh, something that Pastor Joseph Prince from Singapore, uh, he said when when the Lord first began to to give him his grace message that he he began to preach, he said the Lord asked him, said, "Are you willing to every service preach Jesus?" And uh, he said, "I had to think about it for a little bit. So if I just preach Jesus, what's going to happen? You know." People are expecting, well, you got to address this issue. You got to address that issue. You got to, you know, and, and 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 pastors have gotten so caught up and so busy in preaching issues instead of preaching Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the issue. So instead of preaching, but preaching the issue doesn't change the issue, but preaching Jesus changes the issue. Praise God. So are we willing to just preach Jesus? Are we willing to just live Jesus? Are we willing to just let Him show, let Him shine through you? Are we willing to just let Jesus be the light that shines through us? Yes, I know the scripture says we are the light of the world. You are the light, the city set on a hill. But you're the light because of the light that's in you is what I'm saying. And, and uh, you know, when, when we begin to learn that relationship between the light that's in us and the, the, the light that shines to the world, let them see, he said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, where do your good works come from? Your good works come from the one that's in you. Because a lot of us in this room, We've already proved that our works are not all that great. But the one who is in us, when we begin to let him live and work through us, then they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Praise God. I'm going to look at this camera right here for just a moment. Uh, whoever's sw switching back there, Brandon, switching back there, if you would just switch this one right on to me, and I'm going to just look right in this camera. And if you're watching today, maybe you're in this room today, maybe you're watching online, you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus is the power you need to change. He's not demanding that you change He's saying, just let me in. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of You don't have to worry about that. I'll take care of that. If you let me in your life, your life will begin to change automatically. Praise God. If you'll let me begin to live through you, that begins the day that you say yes to him. The day that you say, Jesus, I believe. That you died on a cross and paid the penalty for all of my sins. And you rose again from the dead that I could have new life. That is the moment that your life begins to change. That is the moment that Jesus begins to show up and do what only he can do in your life. What you've been trying to do, 
for years. You've been trying to change and couldn't change. Finally, you gave up and said, well, maybe I don't have to change. Maybe I don't want to change. Maybe, but, but the thing is, he becomes the change. He becomes the difference in your life. Praise God. When you begin to trust in him, he becomes the difference. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I got this word for you that Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfectly sinless life. But all of his perfection was counted to you. Now you say, how is that? Well, because all of your sin was counted to him. Did you get that? Your sin was counted to him. And he was punished for it. Now, all of his perfection in return is counted to you. And how does that happen? It happens because you choose Jesus. You choose to put your trust in him. So if you have never chosen Jesus, I want you to choose Jesus right now. Say this with me. I want everyone in this room to say this with me. Wherever you're watching from, say this with me. When we get to the end of this, we're going to say amen. That means so be it. It means everything we just said, so be it. Let it be so. And so, let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay the penalty for all of my sins because all of my sin was counted to him. And today I choose Jesus so all of his goodness, all of his perfection can be counted to me. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead so I could have new life. Right now, I choose you I trust you for my salvation. Come into my life. Here we go. Amen.